travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 100. 100 things we love about Asia. Wow. 100 episodes. When we started this podcast with our first episode on June 11th, 2014, I'm sure we didn't envision hitting 100 episodes nearly five years later. Asia's been home to us for 37 collective years, and we've had a ton of incredible experiences from jobs to travel and even getting married over here. Join us as we celebrate hitting the big 100 by sharing 100 things we love about Asia. From Bangkok, Thailand, this is Scott Coates, and with me is my co-host... Hey, Scott. Trevor Ranges here from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Yeah, 100 episodes. Wow, if it was June 2014, that means we've been doing this for almost five years now, yeah? Yeah, it's incredible. I actually went last night and I looked like down the roll call of all the episodes from 1 to 100. And I really did sort of feel like, wow, that was three, four years ago. Like the time really has flown and I can't believe we've gotten to 100. I remember really being concerned in the early days like, man, after 20 or 30, like, what are we going to talk about? But we've continued. I think we've upped the game. I look at some of the guests the last year or so, and I'm like, wow, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, you know, we definitely have uh, had some really great guests on over the years. And we've done so many different things, topics. Well, we've done 99 different topics up till now, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, and this month is my 18th anniversary of living in Asia. So, you know, thinking back over 18 years, that's kind of how I did the brainstorm for this. I was like, you know, when I was in this country or when I was living here, or when I was going there, like, what did I like about that? So when I came up with my list of my 50 favorite things, um, some of them are super specific and some of them are more general. And I'm really curious to see how many we have that are the same. How many do you think will match up exactly? Yeah, I think we might have a dozen. I think there's going to be a dozen and I only say that because some of mine are really kind of just weird. I sort of just sat a few different times and I was just thinking of favorite memories or things I like and I ended up with kind of different categories. So I probably did it a different way than you, yeah. but I bet you there's about a dozen. So like for everyone listening, um, this is a lot to go through in an episode. So we're just going to briefly mention some and then we're going to stop each other here and there and go into a little bit greater detail getting through a hundred things. Um, before we jump into that big list, Patreon, you know, thanks to everyone who supported the show. We say it every week or every two weeks, but Trevor and I have funded this through our own pockets. And there's some of you that are super nice and have shown financial love via Patreon. We're going to give a shout out to longtime sponsors, Austin Clinton, Craig Onslow, John Garvey, Patrick Alaspa, Peter Smith, Phaedra Robinson, Stephanie Rowe, and Terry Blackburn are kind of the all-time greatest supporters. So thanks for that. If you do want to support us, go to patreon.com or on our website. Look for the donate button on the left. But we really appreciate you helping us uh, share the financial load. So one other thing, Trevor, you and I have not looked at each other's 50, right? No, that's why I asked how many do you think match. So I think you said 12. Mm. So I'll go with 10 as the over-under for, for how many we have. Okay that are similar. And, uh, you know, it was actually interesting as well. When we went through it, I was like, wait, 
didn't we do an episode about that before? So again, if you go to the show notes on talktravelasia.com, uh, we'll have links to older episodes where wherever relevant, because um, our show notes generally have been really good. We have maps and whatnot. So uh, have yeah. a look there after the show and uh, donate, please. Thank you, everyone who's donated so far. And uh, Scott, you want to kick us off? Kick us off, eh? Okay, I think we're going to do 10 each. Is that right? And then we're yeah, going to hand the baton? Fine. Sure. Okay, um, not that we categorized it, but I somehow have my potpourri at the top. So one of it is just lack of organization. I like that in a lot of the countries, especially thinking Southeast Asia, you can just set up here, there, sell that on the side of the road. Just the free and easiness of that kind of stuff. It's convenient and cool. Uh, one I love, especially in Bangkok and Thailand, the cool season, like December, January, people will put like the soy dogs, the street dogs into t-shirts. I think it's super <laughs> funny. And it's just great. You head out in those months and you'll see like the soy dog and he, someone's tied a shirt on him and they kind of don't fight it. They just wear their shirt to stay warm. That one kills me. Um, on the dogs list, the opposite is when it's really hot. I think it's hilarious how ties will let dogs will sit in front of the doorways to 7-Eleven. Yeah. Every time the door opens, they get a blast of cool air. And like you'll get a big dog that just sits in front of the door, sleeps away, and people will walk over them for hours. Like no one will disturb them. I just think it's really cheeky. And it's also just a really nice kind of like visual of people's tolerance over here towards things. Yeah, the, the every 7-Eleven has a, a 7-Eleven dog, huh? Yeah, and I've even seen cheeky ones that'll like walk into the store and slowly kind of do a stroll through it, and then they get shooed out and they sort of slowly walk out, kind of looking back at the vendor, but they do it to cool off, right? So I yeah. think that's great. Um, I really love being able to just get things done on the side of the road. Like you need a key cut or your shoes repaired or clothing altered, or you need some nail clippers. Like in the West, that stuff can cost a lot and be a pain to find, whereas here, you walk a few hundred meters and you can often find that stuff and it's inexpensive. It's super convenient. I just love being able to get that stuff done. It's great. Um, I love motorcycle taxis like in Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand, especially Myanmar. Like you can just ring up a motorcycle taxi. Boom, you get there quickly, efficiently. That's really, really great. Um, this is a huge one, but I just love the history, man. Like I'm from Canada, you know, we have history, but Canada only came around in 1867. And in general here, like, I mean, you've got thousands of years of rich, diverse history and you can, you know, be in a town and like see things that are a thousand years old and read up on it and really be up close to it. I think obviously you get that in Europe, but being from Canada, I really love that. And I really love reading up on it while I'm traveling places. So that's great. Um, another thing I love is how old and new bump up next to one another, especially in so many of the fast developing cities. Now you can have like an old community right next to a towering skyscraper. So I really love how you get old and new colliding with one another. Uh, animals, man, animals over here. Like again, I'm from Canada. We have bears and polar bears, which are neat, but we have elephants and orangutans and monitor lizards and pythons. And I've seen quite a few of them. So just having like exotic creatures like that, that's pretty cool. Um, I just bought a car for my wife, but 19 years of not owning a car. I realized like that's very cool. You know, you can get around on local transport in Asia and especially Southeast Asia. Like there's always a bus, a boat, a train, a motorbike, like not needing to own a car. I, I've really loved that. And then bringing me to the, oh, sorry, did you want to ask? No, me no, go ahead. I, I just don't know what number you're on. Go ahead. Mm. Here comes my 10th one. Interesting people. 
Um, I think if I'd stayed in Canada, I mean, we have interesting people, but I think just being a normal Canadian guy, I wouldn't have met the broad variety of people. So like I've met authors, directors, rock stars, ambassadors, you know, I've met street people that I legitimately know their name. Right. But I just love to think of all the range of people I've been exposed to by virtue of being an expat here. So yeah, that's my first 10, Trevor, handing the baton over to you. Okay, you know, I got three or four, possibly five, depending on how you define them, because I went a little bit more specific or a little bit more general on some of those. We'll cross those bridges when we get to them. My number one here is drinking beer with ice. Now, that seems really weird for people in the West, probably, but uh, it's really hot here and your beer gets really warm really quickly. So uh, I've really learned to appreciate uh, drinking beer on ice on a hot day. Good one. I second that. Yeah. Okay. Number two is Air Asia. Um, You know, Air Asia started, it's a low cost uh, air carrier here in the region. And uh, Air Asia really opened up a lot of destinations for me. And uh, I got to go to a lot of places I probably never would have imagined going to if uh, Air Asia didn't suddenly decide to, to fly there and offer like $10 seats. Another good one. Number three, I, I was going with like noodles and how I've learned to, to love noodles, but I decided to go with one specific one. I love Sukhothai noodles. Like Sukhothai hmm. is the ancient capital of, of Thailand and Sukhothai style noodles are awesome. And I, I at the Sukhothai airport, they have them for like 15 baht. Um, I go to the Emporium in Bangkok. There's a place in the Emporium that makes really good Sukhothai noodles. So, so that's up there. Um, I've had them with you there once. Yeah, good stuff, right? Mm. Okay, uh, sticking with the food, I went with exotic tropical fruit. Um, I love I love pomelos. A pomelo is like a giant grapefruit. Uh, Champu is like kind of a mix between an apple and a pear or a watermelon. Maybe I had one of those in Sumatra for the first time. Uh, Passion passion fruits grow here in Cambodia. Mangosteens, mangoes, obviously. I love me some cheap exotic. Great one. Great one. Okay, number five is water buffalo. I, I, water <laughs> buffalo are just they're the coolest animals just you know when you see them like floating in the water or something but i've had the opportunity to ride water buffaloes twice and uh, i just love them cool number six is cambodian temples um mm. you know I, again i spend a lot of time in cambodia I, i've written about the temples i've interviewed archaeologists um i've never been to a cambodian temple that's disappointed me yet um i love discovering new things about temples i've been to before uh last year you and i went to Khan in central cambodia Kampong Savai, uh, yeah yeah just the the history the the art the architecture everything about them just love cambodia the scale temples. too they're bloody huge yeah. like it's not just usually one building it's like a building with multiple buildings and a wall around it like they're huge and spread across Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, uh, you know, the yeah. greater ancient Angkor region, let's say. The scale's incredible. Number seven for me is cooking classes. Now, mm. you know, like you come to Southeast Asia as a traveler, like it's great to discover all of these cool new foods. But, you know, I've done dozens of cooking classes from Thai food to Japanese. And uh, it's a great way to learn about what is in each dish as well as how to prepare them so that you can make it for yourself at home, but also so that you can appreciate it and understand it. Uh, Cooking classes are a great thing to do uh, when you travel and when you live here. Great list. Uh, Number eight, you know, like the tuk-tuks are great and tuk-tuks are different everywhere and tuk-tuks are a great way to get around. But what I love now is like in the West, you have Uber, right? But now there's tuk-tuk apps. You know, like you can call hmm. a tuk-tuk with an app here in Cambodia. And then like in Indonesia, they have Gojek. So you can call like a motorbike or have a motorbike deliver you things. So so with the old world and new world mixing together so that you can order a tuk-tuk with your mobile phone is just the best. Yeah. 
Um, number nine is just elephants. You know, it, it's it's yeah. almost cliche, but like every time I have an elephant experience, it's always just amazing. You know, um, yeah. Someone told me recently that they did like some sort of like brain scan on on elephants. Uh, they they hooked up electrodes or something, and and they had said that when elephants see humans, they they look at us the same way that we look at puppies like apparently oh, really yeah apparently elephants think that like we're really cute looking and that's why they they they're attracted to us or something but elephants wow, are definitely cool. really cool creatures and number 10 yeah. i went back to a little specific uh t- the Tonglaw neighborhood in bangkok nice um, one yeah i lived in the Tonglaw area for for many years Tonglaw has developed it's changed it's grown but it's still is always a great place to go. Whenever I'm back in Bangkok, like I get my hair cut there. There's, we went to Raw Rua restaurant and joke Bangkok mm. on, on my past trip yeah. to Bangkok. There's always a reason to go down to Tong Law because there's always something interesting and cool happening. There's so many cool bars yeah. and restaurants and shops. So, so Tong Law rounds out my top, not my top 10, but my first 10. So now we're at 20. Those are awesome, man. What's great is you came up with things I also like, but I didn't think about. Okay. So now we're, uh, Going to 21, I'm just saying diversity. And this is broad from modern cities like Tokyo and Singapore to like ethnic minority villages. And they're often, you know, like an hour away. You can be in a city and an hour later be on a mountaintop with like a minority village. I really, really love that. Um, This is a bit of a weird one, but it happened to me the other day. And it happens in Laos, especially in Thailand. And somebody like a motorcycle driver, someone will see you and they don't know English. So they just think of the words and end up yelling, my friend, you. Mm. And it's just there. It's their only thing they can cobble together quickly to like have some interaction. I had a guy who just looked at me, my friend, you. And I always wonder <laughs> what, what is it they want? But it just made me laugh. Um, 23 is just uh, it's kind of the same as your abundance of affordable regional flights like started by Eurasia, but just in general now, there's so many, like $100 and two hours, and you can be in so many different spots. I, it, it's, it is a game changer, like you said. It's super, super cool. I mean, I think of Canada, I tried to fly an hour and a bit, and it cost me, you know, $400 return. Here, 100 200 bucks, you're set. That's great. Um, number 24, the bum gun. I love the hose that you have in a lot of countries. And after you use a number two, you just squirt your backside and then you're drying with toilet paper. It's so much cleaner. And when I go to countries that don't have it, it drives me bonkers, man. Like it's such a simple innovation. It's so much more hygienic. The bum guy. <laughs> Good it's one. the way forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 25, mom and pop convenience stores. I mean, I like the convenience of 7-Eleven, but I also really like the old school mom and pop shop there. It's a real personal element to it. They always have like a weird collection of items. Like they might have like a badminton racket in there or something. I just love those old mom and pop convenience stores. Uh, 26 availability of medication without a prescription, not in a dangerous way, but like sometimes you just want an antibiotic like ciprofloxacin in case you get food poisoning. I don't have to go to a doctor and stuff. You just go in and buy it. That's great. And then along kind of the medical line, like 27, I just love the ease of uh, getting my teeth cleaned and the low cost. I mean, I like getting my teeth cleaned twice a year and you can just get it done at a good, clean place. You book your appointment for three and you're they're seeing you at three. Like they're always on time too. So I love that. Um, 18 or 28 rather, train travel. I mean, so many types of train travel in Asia. I mean, from fast bullet trains and subways to old clunkers. I mean, if you can get on a train and go somewhere, like I think the train experience is broad and fantastic. And uh, 29, I hit into a category called places. 
Uh, one I love is Doi Mesolong. I've talked about it on this. It's a northern Thai town in Chiang Rai province, settled by Kunming Tang, originally from China. They grow oolong tea. Man, I just love that place. Like it's culturally so different, great food, hiking, mountain biking. And to take me to number 30 is another place called Highland Farm, which is a gibbon sanctuary run by my good friend Kun Parani and her late husband, Bill. I met them in my first year and I've been friends ever since. And it's just a magical place. So we are at 30, Trevor, handing over <clears throat> to you. Yeah. And, you know, we have about 10 the same here after number after 30. Okay. And a couple that didn't make my list, but I considered were the mom and pop shop, which I think is great. And the dentist. <laughs> yeah. The dentist being able to get cheap dental work done and, and quite good yeah, quality good is one. great. Okay. So my number 11 was uh, Lax Driving Laws. And, uh, okay. you know, they're not very strict about uh, enforcing traffic rules, generally speaking, in Asia. And that right. can make it a bit crazy and a little bit dangerous. But overall, I think it's a positive thing. You know, you're driving along and you get up to a red light and there's absolutely no cars there. You just roll it, you know. Um, okay. And, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm breaking all sorts of traffic laws when I'm driving in Asia. Um, again, you get... You learn how to drive in a certain way, but, uh, you know, it, it, some of our rules are just obsessive. Number 12, I, it came up on a few different things, and so I just decided to, to go with the whole island of Bali. I love Bali. Oh, nice. Um, they're such wonderful people. It's such a rich and resilient culture. They have great food. Um, I, yeah, Bali. Everything about it. I could talk about Bali for several episodes. Nice one at 32. Um, All right. Number 13 for me was exploring by motorbike. Okay. Not just motorbike cool. taxis, but like it's so easy to rent a motorbike and then just cruise around and explore an area, you know? So uh, I was recently down on the Cambodian islands and you just rent a motorbike for a half day and you go zip around and explore and find some cool new beaches. I guess when you were on Kopayam recently, you probably did the same. I um, did. I had yeah. one for a week. See, it's easy to rent and cruise around on a motorbike. Love it. So easy and inexpensive. Number 14, barber shops and being able to get a shave. Sweet. Yeah, like... Um, getting a shave is something you might not do often back home, but when you're in Asia, there's lots of barbershops. Uh, you know, the, the barbershop I go to on Tongwa, I always get a haircut and a shave for, it's like $6 or something like that, you know? Or the crazy, they'll do ear candling at some places too and jam something in behind your eyeball, it feels like, to clean stuff out of your ears. They do it all. Yeah, barbershops are, are great. Number 15 for me is hammocks. Um, nice. Especially here in Cambodia. I mean, Cambodians are practically raised in a hammock as babies. and But all the beaches have them. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's restaurants with hammocks as, as seats instead of uh, chairs. And, uh, you know, there's different styles of hammocks in, in different countries across the region. Uh, but hammocks are great. I, I just... I have my own hammock that I like to travel with. That's, well. Yeah, love them. Um, number 16 is free-range animals. Um, and, and lots of Asia, the animals sort of just roam free. You know, there's chickens running around. There's pigs walking around. There's cows crossing the road. Um, you know, like some of these are farm animals and they, they lead much better lives, I believe, here in Asia than they do in some farm where they're cooped up inside of some industrial processing plant. So I love the fact right, that yeah. uh, it's much more humane and it's kind of cool to see animals running around all over the place. Number 17, a little similar to your dental one, but I just went with hospitals in general. I mean, especially Bangkok, uh, which has amazing food courts like Bumagrad in Bangkok has uh, mm. an amazing selection of, of dining options. So even like the Mongolian barbecue at Samitiwait Hospital in Bangkok, I used to eat it all the time, you know. So hospitals, really? they're almost like fancy shopping malls with doctors, you know. They are. Yeah, they're A good great. reason to have insurance. Make sure you have insurance when you travel here. Yeah. Uh, number 18 is is interacting with monks. 
Um, ah, good yeah, one. Like, I mean, Buddhism in general is just an, an amazing religion. But, uh, you know, when I used to spend a lot of time in Luang Prabang, there's a lot of monks, a lot of young apprentices. Uh, you, you do have opportunities to interact with monks uh, when you travel around the region. And it's, it's a really charming experience. I was up in Ban Lung in northeastern Cambodia a couple of months ago, and we went to a waterfall and, and a bunch of monks went out there to, like, go bathe under the falls and uh, mm. We saw a rainbow, and, and I learned the Cambodian word for rainbow, which I've since forgot. But I taught the monk how to say rainbow in English, and they're just neat. Obviously, very nice people, but but monks are, are great. Uh, my number nineteen was just beaches and islands in general. I mean, Asia has mm. so much coastline, you know, and there there's so many islands and so many beaches to explore. Um, going back to 1996, when I did my Paddy scuba certification on Koh Samui and Koh Tao, um, surfing mm-hmm. around Indonesia, um, going back to places that uh, you know I've loved and, and seeing them evolve, um, sometimes in good ways, not necessarily always. Um, discovering new islands, or like you recently went to Koh Phayam, right? I recently went to yep. Phu Quoc Island in, in Vietnam. Um, there's just so many beautiful, gorgeous islands and coastlines and surfing and scuba and all the different things that you could do. Uh, the beaches and islands of Asia are amazing. And yeah. rounding out my second 10 is Japanese food. Uh, mm. Ramen, love it. Sushi, love it. Otonomiyaki, love it. <laughs> you know, uh, the mm. Japanese food in Japan obviously is amazing. But just across Asia, there's Japanese expats in all major cities across the region. And whenever you find the Japanese expat neighborhood, the Japanese restaurants in those areas um, are usually amazing as well. So it, it's pretty good uh, to get Japanese food uh, across Asia, not not only in Japan, but uh, all sorts of Japanese foods. Just great. Yeah. I have a few you're going to hear on my list that are like yours. So that brings us to 40. So uh, I'll throw it back to me. And 41 is one you just said. I have beaches, really broad. But like you said, there's so many out there. There's a lifetime of exploring to be done. And I've been lucky enough to go to so many. But you can just go to so many beaches. Uh, we're into my categories places. So now for places category. Uh, number 42 then for me is the Mekong River. I mean, I always get different numbers as to what size it is. The world's 11th biggest, 9th, 10th, whatever it is. It serves 65 million people a day, rely on it in some way for transport, food. And uh, it runs through seven countries, depending on how you count countries. And I've been lucky enough to experience it in quite a number of places. But I think the Mekong is just a, a fantastic place. And then 43 is one you mentioned, Trevor. I said the temples of Angkor, like Angkorian temples of that empire period. Um, Yeah, I mean, again, I've been lucky to go to, I think, all the major ones in all the countries around here. But no matter how many times I go, I'm just knocked out, blown away. Love going around the outside walls of them. Yeah, temples of the Angkor period. Wow. Um, 44 is Bangkok. I mean, it's a little unfair, but I've lived here most of my time. So I've gotten to know it really, really good. It continues to amaze and surprise. And I mean, there's just places to eat or narrow old school alleys or new things like Bangkok Mm. for me. Yeah, there's bad things, but I don't think I've met an overall city that's more interesting with just more doors to go through and check out all the time. Yeah. Um, 45, Nepal. When I moved here, I never thought I'd ever end up there. And luckily, I've been probably a dozen times because I used to run trips there. But it's, to me, one of the most diverse, intriguing, and adventurous places I've ever been. Like, love, love Nepal. 
And then 46 was an experience I had um, mountain biking from Lhasa, Tibet to Mount Everest base camp in Tibet and then onwards to Kathmandu. Like I still look back on that 12 years later and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Or I look at the pictures and yeah, I mean, that was something about Asia I, I really love. Um, 47, 4,000 islands. Um, I did that trip last year. It really stands out. You know, it, it ties into, I mentioned the history of the area that I love. And, and I was reading a book historically that went through that area in Sipandon, 4,000 islands when I was visiting. There's a Khmer temple, Wat Pu near there. Like I, I really thought 4,000 islands was a special, special place. And then uh, 48 would be Bangkok's canals. Ever since I moved here, I've been on the canals and I've been riding my mountain bike along them or on the sidewalks that are often above them or jogging on them or just, you know, looking at them the way they carve up a city and people get around. I think Bangkok's canals are just really special, magical experience and thing. And 49, the Singapore story. I wouldn't really want to live in Singapore, but I think it's incredible how it's come about and come to be and what it is in just 30 years, really. It went from you know, a backwater banana plantation to like one of the world's examples. Like it is a pretty amazing thing what they've done. And then uh, my number 30, which would be 50 overall, brings me into my drinking and eating category and drinking beer anywhere on the side of the road at a steel table on a small plastic stool like Bia Hoa in uh, Vietnam's great, but just having a beer with ice probably, as you <laughs> mentioned, Trevor, on the side of the road. So that brings us to 50. I hand it over to you. Right on. Uh, yeah, you know, Bangkok, obviously, right? I, I dug a little deeper and went mm. for a neighborhood and, and I love the canals, but Singapore is a good one. I, I recently saw a video about otters like otters live in, in, in Singapore. And Erica, oh, really? Erica had mentioned that you saw them jogging one time. Oh, right. That's my wife, Erica. You're right. We did see them. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's cool that they still have nature living inside the city. And there's a lot of greenery in Singapore. They do. Great city. There is a ton. The Garden City. Yeah. And it keeps the temperature down. They're on the coast. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So for me, I guess this is number 51 now. Uh, 51. Traditional cultural dance. Now, you Ooh. know, like, you know, some people say or used to say that Asians can't dance, you know, and besides that's a generalization, like the Koreans have disproven that that uh, Asians can dance Western style. But if you try to take a dancing class in some local traditional folk dancing, then they'll be the ones laughing at you. Um, it's, it's a really yeah. charming experience. You know, I've done them in Bangkok and Borneo, like, uh, you know, traditional dance is very fascinating and it's fun and, and it's a really, you know, I learned how to do Cambodian, uh, social dance for weddings and, uh, hmm. you know, you know, in Laos, if you would go to like the discos in Luang Prabang or Phnom Penh, like the traditional ones, they like to do line dancing as well. And I think that's yeah, really I've been in part of a drunken dance in the mountains of Nepal a few times. Yeah. Usually against my will, I require a certain amount of alcohol. But yeah, okay. that's a cool one. Uh, 52 is birds, which is kind of an mm. odd one. But, you know, like when I started working for National Geographic, that was one thing that I learned about was, you know, some people are really into birds. And, and the more you start to pay attention to it, the more like it, it's actually such a cool thing. Uh, I was staying I was staying at the Six Senses down on the coast here in Cambodia last week. And I, I took a dip in my pool in the morning and, and I look up and uh, this hornbill which is like a, a giant black bird with this really funky horn like flew up and landed yeah. on the tree right in front of me so just seeing oh, wow. uh, exotic birds and you know you see big eagles and falcons and stuff like that uh, there's some really cool birds across the region that's neat, neat. yeah um, number 23 is music videos now <laughs> many a bus ride has been respectively ruined and saved by the local music and the accompanying music video um, generally way too loud 
Yeah, the music might be crazy and loud, but the the videos are, are great. So you know, like <laughs> it makes it makes some of the music bearable just because they're so funny, and it's a really interesting reflection on on the culture of the whatever music you happen to be listening to. So you know, when I go and check into hotels, lots of times I'll put on like a local MTV and just mute it. Yeah, <laughs> and that'll be like yeah. my, my screensaver. I have stumbled upon really low budget music video shoots in at least four or five countries. And, yeah. and there'll be like a guy with a entry level camera and they've got like a woman and a man dressed up and they're making a music video. That's an awesome one. Yeah. Uh, number 24, I guess it's 54 for the total list 54? is uh, rice fields. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. You know, like Cambodia during the green season, just stunning. Uh, places like Bali. Uh, Sapa in Vietnam, Yunnan in southern China, these terraced rice fields. It's just something about all that green. It's just so beautiful, you know? Great pick. Great um, pick. Number 55 is is being able to eat out pretty much all of the time. Oh, um, fantastic. You know, you, you think about this all the time as an expat. Like, I eat out, like, 90% of my meals. You know, I like to cook breakfast now and then, but, like, mm. you know, the, the price of food here is so inexpensive. Food is available pretty much everywhere. Um, it varies country by country, but you can still afford to eat good street food just about anywhere in the region. And then that's so inexpensive that you can afford to go eat out, like, nicer meals often. And uh, it just seems to be a part of expat life. But when you're traveling as well, like, you know, you just eat out all the time and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Number 56 is in Thailand, when you buy ice cream at the grocery store, they, they pack it on dry ice. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, which With is a just, foil bag. Yeah, yeah, which is like genius because it's so hot here the ice cream would otherwise melt. But the fact that they use mm. dry ice to pack ice cream, when the first time I saw yeah. that, I was like genius. And, and I've always loved yeah. that. And, and the foil bag, it's pretty slick. Yeah, and the fact that you can just buy dry ice much more easily here than you can uh, back home. Yeah, the smoke is awesome. Yep, fifty-seven. Something you mentioned uh, earlier was history. Um, you know, we're not mm. we're not taught a lot about U.S. Uh, about Asian history in U.S. schools, like a little bit. But you know, um, Sivijaya is an ancient kingdom that was uh, based out of Sumatra and southern. Uh, Malaysia, Peninsular Malaysia, that had huge influence on the region. And, and like, we know nothing about that as Westerners growing up, you know? So just like yeah. know, the Angkorian history, the, the, the Varavati, like the, the Thai history, like I can't even imagine the, the history of India and all the kingdoms there, you know? I mean, uh, just it's so interesting learning about the history of the region, which is something that you could never learn all of. So it's just this like unending yeah. and fascinating topic. Um, similarly is uh, holidays and festivals. Like, there's so many cool holidays and festivals. Now, my favorite is Songkran, which is the Thai New Year, in Chiang Mai, which is just like one of the biggest, craziest parties I've ever been to. Um, the Rocket Festival in Isan is one of the ones I've always wanted to go to, but have never gotten the chance to experience. Yeah, never made it. No. And then there's like Niepi, which is the Day of Silence in Bali, in Korea. I, I know there's some big like mud festival. Um, I think it would be cool to schedule or, or create an itinerary around Asia that just went to visit places when they had some really fascinating festival. So you did just like a festival yeah. tour of Asia, I think would be one Indeed. of the coolest trips you could ever do. Um, number, what are we on, 59? Cheap and Cheap and easy coconuts. 
you know even even in hawaii even in hawaii coconut costs like five bucks you know but like here like there's a guy and i'm just waiting for him to like drive up to my front door there's a dude who cruises around my neighborhood just selling coconuts but you can get like a a coconut for a dollar pretty much anywhere possibly less you know and uh yeah you know, coconuts are great because uh, it's like tr- you're drinking water that tastes good that doesn't come in a plastic bottle. So, you know, when you're traveling yeah. and you, do, you want to avoid plastic, just drink coconuts. It's uh, one I get of the some best after things. a run for about 65, 70 cents. A nice, cool coconut is great. Yeah. yeah. And for me, number 60 is uh, wearing a man skirt. Okay. Now, in, Indone- ah. in Indonesia, they wear sarong. Yeah. And in Myanmar, right. they, they wear longi. Yeah, which is like yeah. a, which is like a man skirt. Now I own a longi from Myanmar that I wear in Indonesia, and I always get these like cool like, hey, that's a nice uh, sarong you got going on there. But just like it's yeah. hot here, and like throwing on a sarong or a longi is like the most comfortable thing to wear. And uh, I am not ashamed to say that I love wearing my man skirt. Um, otherwise, Thai fisherman pants will pass. Thai fisherman pants are awesome too. They, Good they could almost be their own thing. Man, I love how, like, we've had a few crossovers, but the stuff you've come up with, almost all of them, I love too, but mm. I didn't think of them. So that's really, really great. All right, so we're moving into 61, and I've sort of categorized mine again, so I'm in food. Uh, and I always say this wrong, but uh, number 61 will be pho, that classic Vietnamese soup that is really spread through the West, you know, with beef slices, like a bowl of pho, I can eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, I can eat it multiple times per week. I don't get tired of it. I absolutely love it. Um, another one is pat kapao musat, the Ooh. Thai dish, minced pork with basil <laughs> okay. and chili, served usually with a runny egg on top. Like, again, breakfast, dinner, doesn't matter. To me, it's one of the perfect, perfect Thai dishes. Um, another thing I love from Vietnam is cafe soda, like a Vietnamese iced coffee with condensed milk. Like, you need a little pick me up or refresher. Like I absolutely love them. I just love them. And I like to get it with the, you know, the canister that sits on top of the glass and slowly drips for a while. A lot of coffee shops now just have them pre-made. I like that one. Um, 64 overall, just street food. Like so many of these countries have street food and it's always the best food, the tastiest food. Um, and it's generally the least expensive, but I, if I don't get street food for a few days in a row, I kind of go a little cuckoo. I really, really love street food. And then, uh, 65, I was thinking about beers because it's kind of getting better now, but as far as like what beers can you just get in the region, it's often boring lagers, but beer Lao dark, dark beer Lao is now available a little more broadly than just Lao, and it is a good beer. It's a lager, but it's dark, and it actually has flavor and style. You like it, don't you, Travis? Sure. I love me a good beer, dark Lao. I can even drink yeah, that one without a, ice. I can drink that <laughs> one without ice, but I have sometimes if it starts to get warm, then I put in ice. Yeah. And then uh, number 66 is dim sum. I am a dim sum junkie. Like, if I had to pick top five meals of all time, dim sum would be on the list so whether it's hong kong or you know somewhere in kl or it doesn't matter like dim sum for me i love a good dim sum feast and then 67 is one you said trevor eating in japan like all of it it's incredible i can't actually eat all of it i'm a little picky but japanese food and eating it in japan knocks you out it's it's reason to just go there uh 68 
would be generally drinking and eating at Phnom Penh, that city, because it's had uh, foreign aid and foreign workers and UN people for decades. They have every conceivable cuisine. And for like $10 US, you can have a great meal. And then it got me thinking to an old bar too that's no longer there, Maxine's, which was called Snowy's mm. um, on the other side of the river opposite the city. It was a great place. So eating and drinking in Phnom Penh still. And then 69 is a specific noodle dish. Again, bami mudang kiao mukot, which mm. you can get in a lot of countries. It's basically <laughs> yellow egg noodles with red kind of barbecued pork, some crispy pork and dumplings. Like, again, breakfast, dinner. I love that, man. That is a go-to. If I see that, I'm in luck. <laughs> and then uh, number 70 kind of transitions to my moments category. I just started to think of times that made me laugh still. And uh, a few years ago in Kyoto, we were drinking at a bar. And this Japanese woman had her car parked in a really weird, tight, angular spot. And for whatever reason, she came into the bar and asked me if I could try moving her car. And I definitely shouldn't have been trying to move a car, but I thought I could do it. And then I ended up getting it stuck in an even crazier, weirder angle. And a, a tow truck crane had to come and lift it up out <laughs> of the spot. Yeah, so it's weird, but it's kind of these situations you end up in Asia. Um, yeah, so that takes us to 70. So Trevor, 71, what is it? Um, before we go there, like Grapao. I can't believe mm. I left Grapao. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite so things good, eh? in the world. Um, it is so good. Yeah. Okay, so 71, I got uh, movie theaters. Now, one, I, at first, I wasn't a fan of assigned seating. Like when you buy movie tickets here, you have to pick your seat, you know. But now yeah, I've learned to really appreciate better. that because like if you want to see a film and you can buy a ticket several days before the show, you can get like the best seats and then you don't have to worry about showing up early and, and you've got a seat. Yeah. And then the, the tickets are so cheap here and the, like the popcorn and stuff is super cheap. And, and generally Ooh. speaking, all the movie theaters are, are super nice. But then we even have small clubs like the Freeze Green Club in Bangkok and Flix here in Phnom Penh that uh, show like yeah. kind of like art house theaters and stuff. So uh, movie theaters in Asia are, are great. You know, it's something That's you wouldn't good. think of doing on your vacation, but since they're cheap and, and it's easy to go and they're air conditioned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Love movies. On the, the flip side of that is kind of like if you're in India, Go to an old theater and watch yeah. an hour of a Bollywood film. Ooh. Like that's a great experience. That's that's a good one. Um, number thirty-two is just local spirits. Um, you mentioned beer, mm. but I'm thinking like spirits. You know, like uh, Yadong, and Yadong is yeah, kind of an acquired yeah. taste. But that's uh, you know, it's a crazy medicine. It's a alcoholic Chinese uh, traditional herbs uh, marinated in some local moonshine. Uh, here in Cambodia and in Thailand, they make rice wine. They ferment in a clay pot and you drink it with a bamboo straw. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely some really cool local spirits across the region. Um, yeah. my, my next one is laundry. You know, like mm. the fact that people can do laundry for you really cheaply and, and they do like a really good job. Even when I was living in Korea, like laundry is was much cheaper there than than having your laundry done in the U.S., which is, uh, you know, kind of a rich people thing, I guess. But, you know, generally speaking, yeah. it's so easy to find a local laundry shop that'll uh clean your clothes by weight and either iron or fold it so nicely. Uh, it's just an awesome thing to have handy laundry. It is great. Yeah. Um, and a lot of apartments will have the little shop in the bottom where the guy like services the whole tower and will just deliver it to your room too. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Uh, next one is uh, having rice soup for breakfast. And Ooh, uh, this, I love this, it. Yeah, this is definitely a cross Asia thing. And in, in Bali, it's Berber. In Cambodia, they also call it Berber. Um, Thai style mm. with a little bit of chili, some fried pork, a little bit oh. of garlic, you know, 
Um, yes. yeah, rice soup for breakfast is, has become a comfort food. That's uh, you know, like even when I when I stay in a hotel and and they have like the local menu or the the, the yeah. Asian menu, you know, like going for yeah. the, the rice soup is is a great option. Me too. Time. Good one. Um, number thirty five or seventy five, I guess, is the Thai herbal compress massage. Ah, nice. Yeah. So especially if you're doing a lot of sports or something like that, and and your 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 body's really sore, your muscles ache. Um, it's almost like the same ingredients they put in like some of their curries and they just wrap up all of these like different spices and aromatic uh, herbs and whatnot inside of a cloth uh, ball that they steam like dim sum. Yeah. And then they yeah. use that ball to like knead it and massage it against your body and it's hot and it smells great. And uh, it's just, a, I, I love the Thai herbal compress. I can't massage. believe I didn't put massage on my list. Yeah, yeah. Good one. yeah, because in general also, like sometimes you can get some bad massage. Like foot massages are great, they're easy, they're cheap, but the herbal compress, that's the, the number one for me. Um, well done. 76, you mentioned earlier, was diversity. Um, there's a lot of cool similarities mm. between different Asian cultures, but there's so many different cultures across the region, even within countries. There's different cultures and different traditions amongst different ethnic groups, and just the diversity of Asia is awesome. Um, number 37 was it was from a specific experience. We were up in Ben Lung, uh, me and Evan and Sarah, my friends who just moved to Cambodia, and we were in mm -hmm. uh, we were they, they just opened this new supermarket up in Ben Lung and they had a rooftop bar and in the elevator they had a sign that said library. So we're like, oh let's see let's see what kind of library they have. And their library was a video game arcade. I guess they just didn't, oh, they wow. didn't know the word for arcade, so they just called it a library. And we ended up playing that, that tandem dancing game where you have to jump on the squares, you know? And dance dance the, revolution. Yeah, and the, the, the games are so cheap in arcades here. And every movie theater, going back to movie theaters, has an arcade next to it. And they always have, like, the craziest games. Uh, in Japan, they have, like, they had, like, a, a dog walking game. And they have games where, like, secretaries are good at it because you have to type to kill zombies <laughs> and stuff like that, you know? And I don't know, <laughs> did you ever make it to that video, to the pinball arcade in Kyoto? I not in Kyoto, but I sought out some uh, some pinball in uh, Tokyo. I've played a bit of pinball in Tokyo, but yeah, you and I were looking for. Uh, I didn't get to the one in Kyoto, but I've been yeah. to a couple pinball. Not places. so much pinball at arcades across the region, but in Japan, the the king of video game arcades. Uh, yeah, like the, you know, it's 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 something I, I enjoy. Uh, number seventy nine is a little bit different than street food. It's food trucks. Okay. And, mm. and for people like this, isn't like a food truck that like parks on the sidewalk, like street food style. These are like, they're part street food, part delivery. Like they drive around. It's like a mobile food vendor. And, and the easiest one that you can find is the ice cream vendors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's always mobile ice cream vendors that cruise around and ring a little bell. And in Thailand, they, they, it's mostly coconut ice cream with uh, peas in it and they serve it in a hot dog bun. Yeah, yeah, that's um, weird. Uh, I don't but, get the hot dog run with but ice like cream. In my neighborhood, yeah. the, the guy drives around with coconuts. There's a woman who cruises around driving her little cart where she makes fried noodles. And I remember even in mm. Krabi, there was a long tail boat that served pad thai. Have you ever had pad thai mm. at the long tail boat in Pranang Beach in Krabi? Uh. I don't think I have, but one, while you're on this, it grosses me out because I don't like it. But you'll get guys on rickety bikes or sometimes lit up with sound and lights selling dried squid. So they've got like uh, squid cuttlefish yeah. pounded out dry yeah. and then they'll take it and like flatten it and do it on a little hot coal grill off the back of their bicycle. Yeah. That's always a crazy one. Yeah. So I love the fact that there's like mobile food vendors mm. cruising around, you know. Um, Great one. Number 79 is crazy potato chip flavors. Like, oh yeah. yeah like for now seaweed is totally normal to me now even shrimp 
Potato chips is kind of normal because they have like shrimp crackers here, which is kind of a common thing. Right. But like when I thought of this when we were driving up from from Kempot and uh, I was like, let's go into the store and look and see what flavors they had. And they had melon bungsu. Do you know what bungsu is? <laughs> no, no, I do it, not know. It what looked like is. some sort of like sh- like shave ice and melon dessert thing. That's what the mm. picture on it. But the, the melon bungsu potato chips. And they had bake, baked squid potato chips, and they had chili yeah, paste potato chips. Yeah, there are weird chips. flavors. And they had one that was yeah. called pink berry cocoa. Pink berry cocoa potato chips. Gotta, gotta <laughs> love it. You might, not, you might not enjoy how all of these taste, but it's so fascinating that they come up with these crazy things. And uh, number 80 is something that you mentioned earlier was uh, pharmacies. You know, I, lo- I love the fact that yeah. you can just go into a pharmacy and buy the drugs you need without having to schedule a doctor's appointment and spend lots of time and money. money. Uh, my my pharmacy here in Phnom Penh even delivers. So it, oh it, wow! Like again, like that's okay. it, it's just some things are common sense. You know, like you shouldn't need to go to a hospital to get certain drugs if you know exactly what you need. Like you're saying, like Cipro or something yeah. like that. I get like tonsillitis. Yeah. You have tonsil infection, and, and I guess it could be a problem because people are abusing things like antibiotics. But at the same time, like sure. it, it makes my life so much easier. Yeah. Another one is like birth control pills, right? You can get them here in most of these countries just easily. Like that's a no brainer. Why do you have to waste time and money going to see a doctor, right? Like mm-hmm. once you know what you need, like keep mm-hmm. rolling, make people's lives simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess this takes me into my like 41 to 50 and this will be 81 to 90 on the list. So my final 10. Um, one of them, then uh, 81, is the Thai National Anthem is played in parks and government places at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. And I don't know why, but I really love like being in the park for a run and you have to stop and stand while the anthem is on. And like, I'm not Thai, but I love hearing the anthem. I just, I I love something about that moment. So I really love that about Asia. Um, In my first six months, I met a British guy that worked at the palace school here in Bangkok. And when he told me what he loved about living here, he basically said, look, you never know what you're going to see next. And I got to agree at the end of September this year, it'll be 20 years since I moved here. And I'm still constantly surprised, just weird things. Just you walk out your door and you're like, wow, what's that guy doing? Or why is that happening? And yeah, you still never know what you're going to see next. Um, 83 would be the first 13 years of my life here operating um, highly specialized tour company, Smiling Albino. I think of those 13 years and just like the personal experience, the business experience, and most importantly, all the amazing experiences I got to have and the places I got to go. So that was a really great thing about Asia, 83. Uh, 84 is one that was one on our, of our travel tale story. But uh, while trekking, I retrieved the golden monkey, this golden <laughs> monkey that I'd lost in remote hill path at a little tea shop. And like a year and a half later, I went back and recovered it. So I love that moment. But I love how there's a lot of countries and places that there's not a lot of petty thievery. Like you can, you leave your motorcycle helmet. So like, I love that you recover something like that and someone gives it back, but just also in a lot of places, like there is a lot of thievery too, but often little things, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. Um, 85, all the times my best friends have visited. Again, and they continue to come, but I think of all my best friends and most have been here twice, you know, in all the places and great experiences we've had together. Um, man, I'm getting into moments here is on the list. So 86 is proposing to my wife atop a chetty at Bagan Minma, like, Bagan is an incredible place. 
And yeah, that's a place I love. Bagan's incredible. But the fact that I proposed to my wife there, that was a really neat moment. And then uh, this next one is one that you said, Trevor, 87, motorbiking, anywhere, anytime you get the smells, you get to say stuff to people as you go by. It's a great way to experience Asia, atop a motorcycle. So that's great. Uh, 88 was taking the Trans-Siberian train across Russia and then through Mongolia. And then we boarded a high-speed rail train through China to Hong Kong. So kind of ties to trains, but, but that memory of those three weeks is just something I really love about Asia. That's a great one people should do. Um, 89. 15 times my parents have been over here. You know, I've had mm. some incredible trips and just gone so many places to them. So I love Asia for the number of experiences I've gotten to have with my parents. And my final one, Trevor, number 50 or number 90 on the list is Talk Travel Asia Podcast. <laughs> nice. I just, I love doing this podcast. All the people we've chatted with and all the conversations you and I have had, like, I remember really being concerned, I think, in our 20s of these episodes that, like, what are we going to keep talking about? And we keep coming up with stuff. And these conversations have been a blast. And I love introducing people to it. I've had a number of people go, I didn't know you had a podcast. And I say, yeah. And then they listen to one and they'll say, oh, that episode was really great. So just doing this is, uh, yeah, this is a feather in our caps. I think we should be really proud of uh all the conversations we've had, but hitting 100. So uh, that's the end of my list. Nice. Yeah. Excellent list. And I put a couple comments on there. Number one, uh, visitors. Yeah. Like hosting visitors and showing them your favorite things and taking them to your favorite places, whether it's your mm. family or your friends. Yeah. That's definitely a great one. And, and I've always enjoyed uh, hosting people and sharing my, you know, my favorite places uh, in Asia with people who come to visit me here and there. Um, and, and just talking about the show, um, for those who are new to listening, uh, as this is episode 100, I mean, you can go to TalkTravelAsia.com and check out our old episodes because you mentioned the monkey story. And that was on one of my favorite episodes, which was tantalizing <laughs> travel tales. And we've told two some, or three. We've done a few. Yeah. But the monkey one, I think, might have been on the first one. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. But yeah, yeah, for people who uh, who want to go back and, and listen to some of our older episodes, there's definitely some really good ones uh, out there. So go visit talktravelasia.com and, and have a listen to tantalizing travel tales and some of our older episodes. Because uh, I think, yeah, I think we've done a good job. So let me do my last 10 and then uh, we'll wrap up episode 100. So number 91 is coffee, which you sort of mentioned the Vietnamese style. Now, Ooh. I'm not necessarily a yeah. fan of the Vietnamese style because it takes so long to drip, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But one thing I love in Thailand, they have Oliang, and Oliang is like a pitch black, super sweet, super strong iced coffee. Um, right. In Bali, Indonesia, they have so many good beans, and they have coffee shops in Bali that can explain. They, they do the, like a workshop for you on, on coffee beans. But I love uh, Toraja. Toraja is my favorite coffee bean from Indonesia. And okay. uh, even in Bali, you can do like unfiltered. It's just like powdered coffee. You just mix with hot water and it's strong and tastes great. You know, so coffee's on my list. Good one. Um, number 42 is is apes. And now you mentioned the the place in Tak where they have gibbons, mm. right? So gibbons could yeah. be definitely one of my things. And don't confuse apes with monkeys. Lots of people say, oh, you love like monkeys. I'm not a fan of monkeys. I don't like monkeys. Apes do not have tails. Yes. That's the quick uh, And apes apes are much more intelligent and curious and uh, less yes. mischievous. Uh, so gibbons, yes. I love gibbons. They're one of the coolest animals in the world, I think. And then orangutans. Like I've, I've, I've been oh. lucky enough to see orangutan in the wild in both Sumatra and on Borneo. Um, just apes in general, or loris. They have the loris here, which is the world's smallest ape. Um, they're, they're such fascinating creatures. 
Um, Good one. Number 93 is English spelling mistakes on menus <laughs> and signs. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just hilarious. They could come up with the funniest. I can't think of any. I mean, saying crap instead of crab on menus is pretty common. But there's just, like, you spend enough time in Asia, you'll read the funniest signs. I my my Ever. favorite one was on a menu. Someone put Kentucky Fried Children. <laughs> You're right. See, it's stuff like that. Yeah, just uh, yeah. English spelling mistakes is is their classic. Um, similar to that, number uh, ninety four is locals who wear T-shirts with English writing on it that says crazy things. Oh yeah. Like uh, last night, there was a guy wearing wearing some shirt. It was just random, and it said like sounds like midnight or something like that but but like lots of times you'll see like some old guy wearing some like kind of pornographic language random t-shirt and and if you ask him like why dude what's up with that shirt he's like green is my favorite color and he bought it because it's or i like the picture or something yeah right so you'll see people wearing some crazy t-shirts sometimes or if you go to like night markets right and you can pick up some ridiculous t-shirts with crazy things written on them in english um fantastic i love that one okay uh next one is how fast things change you know, so so many cities in Asia are, are either brand new, like in China, and or growing so fast, like Phnom Penh here or Ho Chi Minh City or Bangkok, you know, like consequently, like they, they have many old features of like the old world or what, what it used to be like even 20 years ago. But then they're so modern and they're so new and they're growing so fast. Uh, you know, when I was in China, we stayed in this this new city that they just built, you know, and like. 10 years or something like that and the hotel we stayed in was so high tech and modern and then right outside there was there was a well like a, a water well in the middle of the intersection mm-hmm. where people were still like getting their water from a well um or oh, wow. you know like if you leave like i was just back in, in Tonglo and like there's brand new buildings there's brand new restaurants and then i come back to Phnom Penh and there's like a new restaurant across the street from my house or something you know like they build things so fast and things change so quickly here yeah um, really does it, it's such a fascinating thing um, my next one is is expats, um, which I, I hmm. feel like we did a whole episode on expats being interesting people to get to know. Didn't we do I that? I feel like we kind of did. I'm not sure. Yeah, but I, I find that like, you know, people who travel, I think, are generally more interesting than, than people who, who don't travel. And I feel like that the people who you meet while living in a certain area tend to be extremely interesting people as well. So like the expat mm-hmm. communities that I've met, uh, across Asia, um, I think they tend to be more curious, open-minded, interesting people than, I mean, obviously there's curious, interesting, and open-minded people back home, but I find expat communities one of the coolest things about Asia. Good one. Um, what do we have, 97? Uh, traditional handicrafts. Um, like hmm. right, right here in front of me, I have this really cool basket from a tribal village in northeastern Cambodia. I have a bell that I bought at Inlay Lake in, in Myanmar. Um, I have like some wood and stone carvings from here and there, like scarves. I, I just think traditional handicrafts are, are such a fascinating and they're so beautiful and they make the best souvenirs, especially if you buy them from a village where like you meet the artisan who, who built this thing. They just make such great memories. 
Yeah, that's a great pick. Um, 98 is somewhat similar to something you mentioned earlier, but I, I just went with seamstresses. Like, you know, I, ah. if you have a pair of jeans that are all ripped up, you can find a local seamstress who can patch them up and give you at least another six months to a year on those jeans. Um, similarly, if you got a pair of shoes that's falling apart and that needs to be fixed, there's a shoe repair guy on some street corner near your hotel or where you live, you know? Um, I, yeah. I, I love the fact that like there's people who can repair things for you and you don't have to throw everything away. Like they can do an amazing job to, to get extra life out of your gear sure that can. you love. Um, and number 99 was Korean barbecue. Now that's hands down my favorite thing about Korea. Um, and not just the barbecue, they have all sorts of different types of food that you like cook yourself or is cooked in front of you at your table, you know? And, uh, you know, while Korean food is, is kind of great everywhere, like in Korea, the Korean food was amazing. Um, and not just like the do it yourself or Korean barbecue, but even like dolsak bibimbap, like the, the rice dish served in a hot stone bowl. Like I love right. it. Korean food's great. And number 100 is something that you mentioned earlier, but just it's got to get the shout out is the bum gun. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know how people can live without that. Like whenever I go home, I'm like, you yeah. people are savages, you know. Like, yeah, the bum gun definitely in my top fifty. That's hilarious. We both mentioned that. One. <laughs> well, you know what? I've kept a list of crossover topics, and I have twelve that are the same. So you said Air Asia. I said flights. We'll kind of call that. Yeah, similar. I had Specific some half, halves. I think I got about 16 that we had that are similar enough to oh, call okay. them the same. I miss. I got 12. And then specific noodles, animals, Angkor temples, yeah. travel by motorbike, beaches, Japanese food, history, pharmacies. I pick people we've met and expats kind of similar. Yeah. Um, repair, repair people. And the bum gun comes out on top. <laughs> yeah. Pharmacies, so, the gibbons, you know, like obviously we all pretty yeah. much love everything that you mentioned and I mentioned. And uh, that's what makes this episode kind of fun is that we can kind of relive some of these things. And, and we've definitely done like mentioned handicrafts, souvenir shopping. And, and we've talked about a number sure. of these things on our older episodes. But uh, it's just kind of fun to do. You think we'll make it to 200 and we'll do a 200 things we love episode? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I am continually surprised, as I said, that we keep coming up with, I think, interesting things to talk about. And this episode was funner than I thought it would be because, I mean, again, most of yours you picked, I was like, oh, yeah, that is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is great. But when I was trying to come up with my list, I, I couldn't think about it. I hope we do. And, uh, you know, on that note, I think we're going to take a little bit of a break. We did that once before, and uh, we're just going to take a bit of time off. We don't know when we're going to come back, but I'm I'm pretty sure we will, but we just need to let this sit for a bit. But good thing, you actually don't have 100 episodes to listen to. You have 101. Hey. Because remember, we did a, a special, special Nepal one yeah. about the earthquake. So there's actually 101 episodes to revisit, go through, make sure you've heard them again. Uh, but man, this has been a ton of fun. And I'm I'm pretty proud of what we've done. We set out, you and I, when we both weren't working in travel anymore yeah. to stay connected to travel. And now we both do work and travel again. And uh, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. And I, yeah, again, I feel pretty proud about longevity and 100 episodes or something. So thanks for doing this, Trevor. It's not always easy to make happen, but thanks. It's been a ton of fun. Oh, yeah, I'm glad we did this, Scott. And again, like, yeah, it was a way to keep our travel connections alive when we both stopped working in travel and we were 
were separated by distance to kind of keep the friendship going right. and everything. And, yeah. and I think we succeeded on both fronts. And uh, and now we're both back in travel and we're both super busy. And uh, yeah, we might need to take a little bit of a break. But as you mentioned, yeah, we have 101 episodes that people can go back and listen to. And uh, I hope uh, people continue to do so and continue to listen to them. And uh, yeah, we'll, we should probably do, you know, like a pop-up episode every once in a while if we happen to be together in the same city sometime and or we have Good an interesting idea. guest. Uh, let's just go ahead and fire yeah. one off. Otherwise, uh, everyone, thanks for sticking with us and listening. And uh, thanks for all the, the love and support from all of our listeners and donors on Patreon.com. Um, that definitely has been incentive for me and probably for you as well to continue pushing on this far. Yeah. On that note, send us an email. I'd love to just hear if uh, you've enjoyed it or what you've enjoyed about it. Just send us an email. Thanks again, Uh, Trevor. Take us out of this thing. Okay. That's episode 100. uh, 100 things we love about Asia. Talk Travel Asia podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Scott. We'll uh, hope to be back on here soon. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Portland and Cambodia?